Welcome. The Leadership Lesson Podcast inspires leadership growth in everyone. We have enthralling conversations with top leaders in order to provide you with life-changing lessons. My name is Caleb Nichols. I'm a speaker, a pastor, and a family man. My hope is to inspire spiritual depth and leadership growth in you. I love to sit down with leaders from a variety of fields, hear their personal stories and leadership experiences. This creates the podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. Uh, Today, we have Dan Patterson with us, who is the founder of Questioning Christianity which connects the Christian story to life's deepest uh, questions. And I've hung out with Dan a bunch of times. He's come and done some events down with uh, here in Melbourne with us. Uh, He's up in sunny Queensland, Uh, but he's a great guy. He's actually stayed over at my house, haven't you, Dan? So it's great to have you here, mate. You're a top bloke and uh, really interested uh, to dive into a whole bunch of topics today. So thank you for coming on the podcast, Dan. Hey, it's great to be with you, Caleb. And uh, I think you have the single best manicured back lawn of any of my friends. So that's a title that I think you're going to hold for a while to come yet. That's what I want to hear, mate. I I will not show you (laughs) what it looks like at the moment because we're in renovation season. But uh, in the next month, I'll send you a photo. It's it's perfect. (laughs) Cool. Maybe just give us a quick intro to questioning Christianity and uh, what you're doing there. And then we'll and then we'll jump into a few other questions. Yeah, well, um, my heartbeat's really been for a long time to try and help people make sense of the Christian story and why I think that Jesus is good news for all of life and for everyone. And so we launched this organization at the beginning of 2021 to really try and get where young people are wrestling with these questions in universities and schools and help them right. process where God might fit into their story, but also to create more of a digital channel uh, through YouTube and social media platforms to be able to try and communicate the good news of Jesus and to be able to work through people's doubts and their very real concerns and kind of questions. And so, uh, yeah, there's a ton of free content out there. We do live talks and training and all kinds of different things. Yeah, I love it. And you've written a book called Questioning Christianity as well. Uh, You've got YouTube, social media, and I actually jumped on quickly last night and did a live chat uh, with a theologian uh, discussing uh, Christ and, um, and and the Bible, so just great stuff, mate. I think it's uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. So as I understand yeah, it, you, you you were working with um, the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries um, beforehand, and then you've uh, switched over to do your own thing, uh, which is well done, mate. It takes a lot of lot of courage. I want to ask you a bit about that later on, uh, that switch cool. and starting your own ministry and business, but. Uh, First of all, Ravi Zacharias, how are you going processing uh, the whole debacle there yourself, seeing you were personally connected into all that? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tragic story is the only way to put it. Um, so I would have worked for RZAM for n- nearly six years, uh, started sort of launching the Australian arm of the ministry. Um, Ravi was someone whose books I read as a young Christian who I really appreciated in print and podcast, um, had the opportunity to go and study over at Oxford maybe eight years ago now uh, with his European team and uh, get all kinds of meaningful training and have some just wonderful experiences of learning how to do 
gospel ministry and help people process their questions and uh, was then invited on team. And so I had a deep admiration for Ravi personally mm. um, when uh, those allegations sort of first surfaced um, back in 2017 that he had sort of an inappropriate digital relationship or texting relationship with a woman in Canada. It, it just didn't at all sound like the man that we knew. Um, he mm. was humble and gracious and winsome and it just seemed so far outside of everything that that you'd experienced of who he was that um yeah you didn't really know what to make of it and there was a lot of questions around it but um yeah i stepped down in good faith at the beginning of last year um 2020 just as sort of COVID hit and uh, right around the time where ravi was diagnosed with cancer and, and died sadly a couple of months later and it wasn't really until september of last year so maybe six months or something after i'd stood down that uh, christianity today released that investigative report into a number of people who had made allegations that ravi had abused them in, in in day spas and and i remember with my wife erin sort of reading through this report and just the detail and the sadness with which you get to the end and say man their testimony is credible uh and it was a, it was earth shattering in that way that the kind of person that you thought you knew behind the scenes was something else entirely that there was a very dark shadow side that had left so many people hurt in its wake and so to see a ministry and a family that you loved and uh, had been serving with for so long then just fall over within a period of months because of the aftermath and to hear then the stories of the dozens of people that had been hurt by him over the years uh it's it's like a nightmare i think for everyone involved and so um yeah i can only pray now that as people are doing some of their best to try and seek justice and restitution mm. and to care for those who have been harmed that in the middle of that people will be encountering the comfort and the grace of god to do what yeah. no other human being is able to do in that darkness yeah. man it's it's really tough and 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 i know you've walked through it a bit more personally than most but i think the christians the body of christ all around the world just uh really bleeding not not only with the ravi zacharias uh issue and controversy but i think just with the bunch of leaders that have fallen uh high profile leaders uh, as well as just even at a local level um the church is in an interesting position i think christian uh leadership seems to be in an interesting position in the world right now what, what do you think of that yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's hard. We need to be careful not to uh, maybe centralize too much on a small evangelical wing of people that uh, have shipwrecked their lives or their ministries. But there certainly has been over the last decade or so with your Italian Chividians and your Bill Hybels and your Mark Driscolls and your Ravis that there's just this almost wave of the people who, as a young Christian, I grew up reading their books and they were touted yeah. as the leaders to look up to and the people who were influential in evangelical subculture, really at a global level. And yeah. so you're thinking, man, these are the people that you hope to, in, in varying degrees, emulate the impact of that gospel mm -hmm. ministry. And yet to see that there was a big disconnect between the Christian truth they were supposedly sharing and then the Christian character or the tone behind the scenes mm. of who they really were. And, uh, and that's a wake up call. Uh, I think it's a great sifting within Western Christianity right now to 
shed ourselves of the celebrity Christian culture of abusive yeah. power structures to realize, you know, to think of the success of the Auckland book, the gentle and lowly to recognize mm. that Jesus, it was said of him that a bruised reed, he would not break and a smoldering wick. He would not snuff out. And mm. that that should be modeled in the kind of leadership that shepherds have towards their people rather than a domineering or abusive pattern of leadership. And, so I think, you know, in terms of church leadership, it's a shakeup. I think it's a sifting. Uh, I think Jesus is always praying for us that our faith will not fail. And when we return, we can strengthen the church. But I, I think for those who have looked up to leaders over the course of their Christian faith, that this is quite a disillusioning time. And it's, it's really easy for everyone to become cynical, sort of the default reaction to what's happening. Uh, and so I, I guess there's a lot for the church to work through to be able to move beyond the exposure of evils and to keep dragging evil out into the light. That's what we need to do. It's what the scriptures are yeah. committed to doing so that justice can be restored, but but also in the aftermath of that, making sure people's hope is set in the right place and that a path of active discipleship and of humble leadership is something we continue to pursue. Yeah, no, it's really good. Why do you think, Dan, it's so difficult for people to recognize? Because in some ways you peel it all back and it's like, Jesus is perfect. He died on the cross for your sins. That's where your uh, priority should be. Focus your eyes on Jesus, all those scriptures. Obviously, human beings are fallible and even great leaders that you look up to have written great books. They're going to have issues. And I think we all know that practically, like no one's perfect. Uh, but why do people find it so difficult to reconcile, you know, good Jesus with bad church Christian leadership? Yeah, I think there's a legitimacy to it in one angle. And so maybe if I, I play one side of that conversation, Christians should be different. There is a change that happens when you put your hope in Christ, where God comes to dwell in us and begins to renovate us from the inside out, not outside in like whitewashed tombs with corpses mm -hmm. on the inside, but instead a living person on the inside who's working their way out to catch up in our behaviors and in our words to who Christ has already made us to be that process of becoming like him. And so I think we should have a reasonably high expectation and particularly on Christian leaders that we're putting people of character, of virtue, of substance into those sorts mm. of roles. And, and we should feel hurt when that trust is abused. Uh, I don't mm. think because of the reality of evil in the human heart that we should not trust the people around us or not expect that people remain faithful as stewards. And so this let's set the bar really low, I don't think is the right reaction towards seeing leaders shipwreck their lives. I think the bar needs to remain high as the New Testament says it high, that if you aspire to leadership, that's a noble task. But yes. for that kind of platform where there's so many temptations and challenges to begin to manipulate people to your own ends, you need to make sure that you have the character that undergirds it so that you can lead like Jesus and lead people to Jesus as an under shepherd to the good, true and chief shepherd. And so that's maybe one side of the coin, which is the, yep. we should have high expectations. The other side of the coin though, I think is you've rightly pointed out that Jesus is the one whose life is matchless. He's the one that reveals to us what God is like and what the kingdom of heaven will be like and what it means to live a fully human life of loving God and loving others. And, and that's something we should aspire to, but all people, Christians included, are still damaged 
by evil. We haven't yet been freed from the presence of evil in the world and the realities of temptation. And so there is this bit where whenever a Christian leader falls, using the freedom that God has granted to us to rather than trust him, instead turn our back on his commands, that that isn't disproving the Christian gospel, that that is just more evidence of the empirical reality of evil in the world. And if anything, it just reminds us of our need constantly for grace, that at our Mm. best moments, we still are not yet living up to who we were created to be. And so we need grace. And at our worst moments, those are the ones that are really revealing on on how much we need that. Mm, mm. No, really well said, mate. I I think it's interesting, you know, for me as a pastor, and I know you've uh, been a pastor and, and and kick around in Christian circles. It's it is sad, really, watching people, as you said earlier. I suppose become disenchanted, uh, even begin to deconstruct their faith in maybe an unhealthy way. Uh, it, it's really sad because of a leader that falls, or because of a leader that's overreached, or because of a leader that's just human and has had a bad day, and and people project that, I suppose, onto God, onto the church. You hear a lot of things these days uh, about the church being institutional, and you know we don't need that kind of organised uh, religion, and I can just have me and Jesus. And in some ways, it feels like that is. I'd love to hear what you think, but in some ways, that feels like a little bit of a reaction to. Um, not needing to get involved with leaders or submit to leaders or even to do community, which can be difficult with other struggling, sinful people. Well, what do you think about the deconstruction of faith and that reaction? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of parts to that question. I think you're just putting your finger on a lot of data points of what's happening broadly in kind of Christian culture. And uh, you've got high-profile leaders who are walking away from the faith. You've got um, sort of famous musicians who say that I've got questions that don't seem to be answered in my tradition, at least. And so that's concerning. And so this deconstruction of pulling down the edifice of a person's beliefs to get back to what foundation does it really rest on? And so I'm not necessarily against deconstruction. I think there are a lot of unhelpful beliefs that aren't biblical. At best, they're extra biblical, if not heretical or unhelpful, that are built up within different Christian traditions or subcultures that maybe we do need to peel back and reassess. And it's an opportunity to say, upon which foundation is your hope built? Is it in this church or this denomination or in this particular leader? Or is it built up on the sure foundation of the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if that's where you start, you know, in in 1 Corinthians 3 about the Apostle Paul building on this firm foundation of Jesus, speaking about uh, putting his words into action, being like building upon the rock rather than on the sand, Mm. I think something much healthier can grow up in its place. But the question is, having deconstructed, what then? It's not good just to sit with a bunch of rubble around you. Yeah, that's It's a right. question of how do, how do you rebuild? And, and to some of that, I mean, there's just maybe too much influence that's been given to too few people when faithful, godly men and women have been serving Jesus and building up disciples around them. And uh, maybe, again, this is going to be part of the shakeup of just maybe eschewing or stripping back some of that entertainment culture within Christianity mm. and instead just grabbing onto the, who are the local leaders who reflect Jesus well that I'm going to submit myself to? 
you know, in, in mm. Hebrews 13, people that are really worthy of honor, people that recognize that one day they're going to give an account for my life before God. And so lead humbly and lead collaboratively and are drawing people in to serve their part in the body. That's the kind of local leadership that I want to bring my life under, a real shepherd who knows me and cares about my life rather than just yeah. a printer or a podcaster from afar. Uh, I think that's hopefully going to be some of the rebuilding process for the church. And and my attention is always reminded of Jesus's promise that he will build his church. Or in Ephesians 5, where the apostle Paul says that he's committed to serving and laying down his life for the church, having uh, washed her with the water of the word to present her pure and faultless. Mm. And so Jesus is not going to let the church disappear, but he is going to beautify her. And sometimes some of this exposing of darkness and stripping back of unhelpful things is simply the precursor, the, the pruning towards much more beautiful and fruitful growth. And so that's kind of my hope is that rather than just sitting Definitely. back and only throwing stones, yes, shine the light on so to expose the stuff that we need to deal with, but then also lean in and become part of that rebuilding process where we ultimately tie ourselves in with Jesus and with his church and having been nourished by him as the true vine, end up bearing fruit that will last. And so mm -hmm. I want to be part of that rebuilding or part of that beautifying process rather than stand apart from it. I'm, and I'm just not convinced that Christianity can ever be a lone sport. That's just not the way that the metaphors in the New Testament work. We're parts to a body and we need to be connected. Otherwise, the body is itself suffering and that mm. our discipleship is aided by having to bear the burdens of those around us, having to deal with difficult people within the church, having to work through patterns of forgiveness and helping people grow in their own character and conflict management. These are opportunities for us to learn the way of Jesus and so become more like him. Mm -hmm. Now, spot on, mate. Really well said. And uh, I know that a lot of people listening will find that uh, really encouraging because uh, as much as people may believe what you're saying is true, you know, human nature, we get stuck in ruts and uh, we can only see the world based on our context and the people around us. And uh, some people find that hard, but uh, it's, it's great. And, it's, and it's I think I think the two, there's sort of um, like this fatigue at the moment, right? This after COVID sure. and digital church and all of this disillusionment that's come through the exposure of, of faulty leadership. There's this question of, man, what is really happening here? Is this really doing anything? Are we really growing in spiritual maturity? Are we really growing in number of disciples? Uh, and so some of that disillusionment then can almost be, uh, my spiritual life isn't great, and I'm going to externalize that problem. And, and maybe yeah. there is a lot of responsibility that lies at, at the feet of leaders as to whether or not the church is operating healthily. But the church can mm. never operate healthily until every person is playing their part to love and serve those around them. The one anothering of the New Testament that's mentioned some 100 times across mm. those 27 books. Uh, unless we as disciples are leaning in and following Jesus individually, then collectively something is going to be sick. You know, And so... Yeah. I think this time of exposure of maybe some of the shortcomings of the institutions of the church is really an opportunity for the disciples and followers of Jesus, the true adherents or, or members of the local church, to be able mm. to come together and just recommit our lives to following Jesus together and uh, helping right. others to do the same. It's really good. Can I ask you one more question about Ravi Zacharias? How have the people who were closer to him how have they gone dealing with the hurts, the pains, uh, reconciling uh, what's happened? Uh, you, you know, obviously most of us read things uh, in the news or in social media and, and it seems like his son has really gone on a campaign to prove his innocence. He's writing some interesting 
blogs and I think there's a website and whatever. Forgive me, I can't remember the names. There's been a lot of other people. I remember when it first broke last year, for instance, John Lennox was very quickly uh, separated himself uh, from the whole organisation. So just where are things at now kind of a year a year later? Yeah, um, I mean, it's probably not either wise or helpful for me to speak for other people, but I think what you would have seen is a number of different reactions. Um, some who want no part of anything that looks like it's abusive or harmful to people. Others who really want to wait for the evidence to come in. What is truth here and what is falsehood? And I want to make sure that I'm discerning in my judgments and in figuring out a healthy way forward. I mean, sometimes responding at the speed of headlines, headlines go out way quicker than information necessarily comes through. And so some people just wanted to understand and, uh, and, and just sit on that. Um, some have become more activistic in wanting to seek restitution and healing or to expose the ills in evangelical culture. Others have wanted to get on about meaningful gospel ministry. And, and some of those really close to Ravi have wanted to clear his name or at least push back on some of what they feel would be the unfair allegations that have been made but never substantiated by, by means mm -hmm. of evidence. And so you've just got a whole spate of reactions from disbelief to anger to a desire to vindicate and and, uh, and, and that's kind of what you expect in the mess of relationship webs. You know, we're social creatures and this idea of evil, man, you see its effects. Um, mm. You see a, a team of 100 speakers that's been splintered around the world and people who mm. are lifelong friends now who are disconnected as a result of it. And you just think, wow, there, there is real fallout to darkness. Mm. And if any of us is tempted to think that, we're an island unto ourselves or that the secret things in the background of our lives won't eventually find us out. And this is something of a macrocosm to help us realize the microcosm, you know, that, that sin, it really does have far reaching effects that, that are far beyond just our own soul. So we need mm. to take care in what we do. And it's really sad to hear that. I, I know I've met a bunch of the speakers before, and I think it was just a phenomenal uh, aspect and distinctive maybe of RZIM, sorry, the American Z always gets me. Um, that, that's that distinctive of the phenomenal speakers and to hear that splintering and falling apart. And it's an amazing, whether the allegations are true or not, it's just amazing how quickly things can fall apart and people can splinter and these things go on. It really is sad and I know it must weigh heavy on your heart, Dan, but it's great to hear your faith is strong because I think that's what's important, as you said earlier. Uh, what is our faith actually built on? Uh, where do those roots of faith go? Do they run deep? Uh, because there is going to be storms. There is going to be relational fallouts. There is going to be difficulties, controversies, all kinds of things, even in the church, <laughs> let alone in our families and our personal lives and, and what have you. So thanks for sharing a little yeah. bit about that. I know it's pretty yeah, close. Yeah, and I, I mean, I... I want to be um, just really careful to say that, you know, there are a lot of the allegations that have been substantiated by the evidence, you know, and so I, I wasn't at all calling that into question. It's more for different people and how they process it. You know, they may not be as convinced like family members of what you're seeing. And there are a whole lot of things that want to motivate a desire to, to vindicate what, what they see as being unfair. But, you know, one thing that does encourage me is Jesus never is too small to be able to meaningfully work even 
through tragedy, that there are tremendous seeds of healing. And so you've seen a number of the speaking team reach out and connect with different victims of Ravi's and try and build bonds of friendship through that shared pain and apologize at times where they've come to his defense in a way that marginalized the voices of the vulnerable and the victims. And, uh, and so that's been a really kind of beautiful scene to see, as well as then the idea that as much as the team may have been scattered around the world, they're scattered still into other aspects of meaningful ministry. And so what mm. we'll see 10 years or 15 years from now may be far greater than what would have happened had there never been the dissolution uh, or di- sorry, dissolve of the ministry as a whole. Yeah, fantastic. And and it's so true of uh, Christianity, isn't it? And of God that uh, it doesn't matter what happens. He always brings out good. Things always flourish. The challenge is staying, isn't it, Dan? It's staying through the hard times, having the character to see it out. Um, you know, my church is going through an interesting season. And uh, it's funny, it's so much easier to move on or to leave or to change when the chips are down or you're in a valley. It's easy when it's mountaintops and high fives and you know everything's working and people are coming and people getting saved so it's interesting just sticking through the hard times god will always be faithful and uh and and bring about good things i want to ask you about the rise and fall of mars hill because you posted on facebook the other day and while i'm talking about your facebook people should really follow dan facebook instagram got a fantastic uh youtube channel with questioning christianity that answers a lot of the questions uh about uh, faith, just really good. And we'll get into that a bit later. But you you posted about the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which is this podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts of all time. I'm not sure if you've looked at the charts lately, uh, Dan, or if you're following no, I haven't seen that, it. that close. But the 10 episodes of, of the Mars Hill podcast uh, are rating in the top 40 uh, global episodes of, of podcasts in this kind of Christian wow. area. Like it's just been like absolute wildfire uh i must have had 10 people send me the podcast and say you gotta listen to this so uh so tell us a bit about your post and and what you think is interesting well again what has this uh touched on this podcast about the rise and fall of mars hill and and i suppose again another leader mark driscoll uh falling or supposedly falling i don't know what the truth is but uh why do you think it's taken off so much this podcast Yeah. So, I mean, there might be some of your listeners who haven't been familiar at all with Mars Hill. It was a a church over in Seattle. It was started by Mark Driscoll and another couple of pastors. Uh, It grew into a multi-site mega church of 15 different churches, maybe 12,000 people, I think, at its zenith. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so just an enormous machine, fast growing and uh, had responsibility for kind of launching the X29 Church Planting Network, which is big and operative around the world before actually getting kicked out of that network for style of abusive leadership. Um, but the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, actually chronicles what happened. How did it go from being this media megalith, right, um, then to really collapsing overnight as Mark Driscoll resigned or really was fired by the eldership at the church. And so, the um there's a lot of people who are through this now just using the story of this one church to try and process their own experiences of spiritual abuse because in the past we talked about 
uh, moral failure within leadership, mostly to do with fiduciary or money uh, or sex, you know, winding off with the secretary or inappropriate relationships with members of the congregation. They were the two big sort of temptations through which pastors were exposed. But all of a sudden, there's been this lid in the last few years uncovered, really something that Steve McAlpine over in WA was sounding the warning bells back in 2017, but of spiritual abuse, the idea of a abusive uh, mismanagement of authority within the church to really crush and harm all kinds of people and manipulate them to your own ends, where it's more about building a platform and uh, security for the leader than it is for the good of the church yeah. and the people. Mm-hmm. And this is sadly too um, prevalent right across the world. And so for a lot of people, the reason why they're watching it is not just because they want the goss on what really happened in Seattle. It's because they're experiencing or processing a lot of their own hurts of the past that's causing PTSD for a whole lot of people in that sort mm. of a way. Um, my my post the other day was uh, just sort of in this theme of um, having to come to grapple with this disillusionment of leadership that we've been chatting about so far. And I was at a church recently where uh, we were sitting at the front just before I was to give a public lecture. And the song that is sort of the song that's using the intro credits of the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast by Mike Cosper, it just came uh, upon. It's a song, Sticks and Stones by King's Kaleidoscope. And we both looked at each other knowingly. You've got this sense of, <laughs> oh, you're listening to the podcast as well, because it's, it's almost now you hear that song and it triggers this I know, I know. reality. <laughs> good song so it's a great song (laughs) but it was interesting for me is um is going back and actually looking through the lyrics and you know having to process some of my own experiences with i mean i had dear friends that were part of that church heavily involved in kind of senior leadership roles who resigned in protest as some of the mess was happening uh we had uh, obviously my own experiences with with uh ravi and the fallout of seeing how many people are hurt and then even the way that you rightly i think have to bear some of the shadow of that that Mm. people now will associate you with what happened with him. And that's not something I'll try and whitewash out of my past, but it's certainly something where you've had a couple of experiences of, hey, maybe it's not the right moment for you to come and and speak to our group because we're having to deal with questions of abuse and and your presence might just not be helpful in that way. Mm, And so you just realize, wow, there, there is real fallout for so many people in this area of spiritual abuse and of being hurt by Christian leaders. Um, and the question is, what do we do with that hurt as we recognize it, as we try and move towards healing uh, and health, as we try and as Christians actually chart a path of redemption through this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to strike a little bit more of a hopeful note in that post by let's look at the lyrics of this song and of the picture at the end of uh, I want to put my trust in people who really look like Jesus. I want to follow Jesus, I don't want that to dissolve because of the poor performance of Christian leaders. Uh, I want to live a life where I'm giving it to the right, good, true, and chief shepherd, and that I'm following mm. his call to join God on the mission to redeem and restore all things. You know, so mm. um, yeah, just to maybe try and help people say, yeah, actually, I have become a bit cynical towards Christianity, towards the church, towards Christian leaders. And, and I want Jesus to do something in me to help me rebuild trust where it needs to be. Great. Yeah, really well said, Dan. So tell us a bit more about uh, questioning Christianity. What, what, how did you go transitioning, first of all, uh, fr- from your past work uh, into this? And uh, what are you really trying to do with questioning Christianity? I'd love to do a bit of a deep dive on this uh, project. 
Yeah, well, as I shared, right as sort of COVID was hitting last year, I stepped down from RZAM. Uh, and so the question was, okay, we're kind of entering lockdown. Who really knows what the next phase is going to look like? Uh, am I meant to move more into the academic world, do my PhD, move into teaching? Should I be moving towards uh, back into the pastorate and doing pastoral ministry? But I had a number of people around me just keep saying, no, what we feel you've been trained for, what we feel you've been doing in terms of gospel ministry of supporting and strengthening local churches and campus ministries and schools, we'd love to see that continue. Uh, and so with that encouragement, we started exploring the idea of creating a new organization, something particularly that begins to have a bit more of a digital reach, considering how many young people are processing their questions online. They ask Google and mostly yeah. they ask YouTube about these questions, yeah. um, is how do we create meaningful content that connects the Christian story to life's deepest questions? And so um, with the help of uh, some founding board members, we've set up Questioning Christianity as a not-for-profit here in Australia. And uh, after a bit of fundraising, we're able to start operations sort of in January of this year. So we've been going nine months. The real heartbeat was to do speaking in schools and universities, to do training in churches for Christians and conferences, um, to create a digital arm. So uh, video content, interviews, short videos, um, websites and social media stuff, just where you're helping to get truth out there in a meaningful way, sharing mm -hmm. Christian truth with a Christian tone. Uh, and then to start actually training Christian speakers as well. So to identify people who are already active in gospel ministry as teachers or chaplains who are doing speaking in chapels to campus missionaries who are working to uh, reach university students and doing weekly talks or uh, big events. Uh, and then for pastors who are trying to have an impact in their local communities, maybe go out and speak in schools or um, uh, speaking in their churches. And so to try and identify people who have a platform and then do a two-year coaching program on how to communicate the content of our gospel for our cultural moment and particularly how to stand and face Q&A. So I think this yeah. idea of being interactive with young people particularly, but with all people to help them make sense of their own questions and how the Christian story speaks to what's really happening in our world right now, that it is sufficient right. to do that. Um, so that's kind of, uh, yeah, what, what QC sets out to do. So I can't just hide behind my pulpit anymore and speak to my friends my uh, favourite sermon. I've got to engage Q&A answer for my faith that's good mate it's really good i know yeah I know, well I, um, I think as well like it's a question of um are we going to keep speaking to our own or are we going to adopt a, a missional footing in which case they have a exactly. growing just almost apotheistic or secular default in most people's attitudes and if we're going to do anything to reach them our engagement levels have to go up rather than just in, uh, asking them to come and absorb our own mediums and our own yes. subculture and so i think that one corinthians nine becoming all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Uh, I think this mm. idea is we really need to find out, man, what are the barriers that people have? What are the ways that the Christian story speaks to their questions in surprising ways? Um, mm -hmm. What are the things that for them, they might know the what of Christian belief, but not the why. And it's the questions around the why that, that holds them back is, uh, yeah, to really start addressing these and to do it actively. Yeah, it's really good. I was really impacted a few years ago. I did a 10 month program with the Colson Center for Christian Worldview out of America. And I, I think my tradition and faith and churches and denominations I'd been involved in, in some ways had felt like it had come into a bit of a cul-de-sac and it was just felt a little bit like pray harder, prophesy more, um, have more conferences. And I was really looking for like, there's got to be a better way to get out there. And the only reference point I really had for evangelism was kind of the charismatic 80s, 90s stuff I grew up in, which was not relevant anymore. We knew that that wasn't any good. 
but coming across worldview apologetics and what have you has just been um just really revolutionized my faith in that way and that's how we met um at, at a conference and uh whatever and it's just been so powerful so so powerful what what have you found dan as you've worked with churches pastors people where have you found the gaps really are in people's faith or in people's apologetic or in people's understanding of the Christian worldview? Like, like, is there any particular areas you notice just a little bit weak? Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. Um, for the most part, uh, as much as I think things like the Bible Project have been a tremendous gift to the church, it's also exposed just how far short people's knowledge of our own Christian story is. That mm. a lot of Christians who have grown up in the West have are pretty spiritually anemic in terms of what they understand of the Christian story, but also spiritually anemic in actually carrying on the practices that have sustained the church for so long. And so we are seeing almost the death of spiritual disciplines in our lifetime, even as young people are starting to reach out for the spiritual more. And in the UK right now, a survey recently said more young people are praying than the older generations. And so I mm. think what we really need to see is maybe something of a, a revival of Christian education through our churches, where we're helping people understand the Christian Christian story and <clears throat> how it speaks to the big questions of who we are and why we're here and how it offers good news for mm. questions around loneliness and mental health. and But also not only the, the let's say, cognitive frameworks, but the kind of spiritual formative practices. We are primarily yeah. emotional, social beings. And mm. so who we are becoming is based mostly upon the kind of habits that we build into our life. And so mm. as Christians, we're meant to be building in the same simple disciplines and simple doctrines that Jesus modeled and passed on to his yeah. disciples. And so they're probably the, the biggest holes is the character forming, the spiritual formation stuff of spiritual disciplines, and then actually just an understanding of the Christian story as a whole. I, I think if we gave doctrinal mm. exams, uh, just basic ones to the vast majority of people in our church, we probably wouldn't be all that warmed <laughs> um, as to the responses that we get back. You're right. You're right. I, I think, Dan, I think there will be, a return, a revival, as you say, to the kind of more monastic uh, type. I think there's going to be an interest in this kind of monastic style of uh, solitude and fasting and these kind of things because the world has so sh become so shallow. Our culture is so expedient. And I think I, I just wonder if the next generation is going to wander at uh, the slower life, the prayerful life, uh, things like fasting and that that really deepen not, not only deepen you spiritually, but just deepen you as a human and just build build character. Like, what, what do you think, Dan? Or do, is there any practices that you maybe could share with us that uh, help help you deepen your faith? Yeah, I think that's a, a it's a great question. My uh, I, I'm probably a little bit more cynical right now, and not cynical in terms of will the outcome happen. I just recognise the biggest challenge is people have great desires. And so everything you've just said, amen. People are like, yeah, I want to have deeper community and rich friendships and I want to have <laughs> a, a reflective existence. And then they also pull out YouTube and scroll for three hours. <laughs> right? uh, and so just sort of go down that rabbit hole. And so it's that temptation of, will I be driven by the technology and entertainment that's around me? Or will I make real steps to carve out a different way? And mm. I think we need leadership in that point. Um, mm. I think they're the moments of saying, right, what are the boundaries that I'm setting up for what's healthy in my life? What's actually really going to build me up to become the kind of person that I actually want to become. But at the same time, the convenient and the flashy is right in front of me and it's always calling. And so some of those 
red flags that Christian leaders are raising about, man, I don't think we're using technology. I think it's using us. Uh, I think there are all kinds of addictions from pornography to social media that are terribly unhelpful and the binging of, of like none of, well, obviously pornography is bad, but, but social media and, and TV, it's not inherently evil, right? But it's just mm. the, we're allowing ourselves to be mastered by them rather than mastering them. Yeah, and exactly. so, uh, yeah, I reckon building up some serious boundaries, some disciplines around that for your own health and figuring out what those boundaries are for yourself. They're not legalistically imposed mm. from the outside, but they're the fence markers that you put up from the inside. Uh, I think yeah. that's kind of uh, going to have to be a pathway forward. No, it's good. And the other thing you mentioned there, which I, I agree, is this this gap with Bible literacy. I, I am I've been shocked during COVID. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I've been. I mean, I'm down here in Melbourne. You're in beautiful Queensland, probably driving around and going out for dinner or whatever. But I've driven my car three times in the last six months and worn tracksuit pants for about eighteen months now. But uh, anyway, sorry, I'm just having a bit of a rant there in a bit of pain down here in lockdown. <laughs> oh, we do um, feel it for you. But um, I actually had a close contact this week, so I literally am in 14 days of quarantine at the moment. But anyways, the, um, the I've been fascinated, Dan, by the posts on social media and the scriptures that have been thrown at vax, not vax, you know, lockdown, not lockdown, people all of a sudden getting involved in politics or interested in what premiers are doing and, and, and a lot of mixing of scriptures and spiritual language with politics and this health issue and i think what's jumped out to me dan is that man just the understanding of what those scriptures really mean just the understanding of theology or what how it all works uh church and state like i've just it's really shocked me i'm like man it's it's true people just don't there's a lot of illiteracy around the christian worldview around the bible around how to use it uh appropriately uh, anyways that's my thoughts well, what, what are your thoughts on it yeah, I mean, every tool can be misused in that way. And it's really a rediscovery of what are the scriptures for? I mean, they're not to us. Mm -hmm. They weren't written to us. They describe a different world than our own, uh, although they reflect upon the truth of human nature, which is universal. And so what, what are the scriptures for? How are we meant to understand their role in the Christian life? And I love the different metaphors that the scripture uses. You know, it speaks about the Bible as being a lamp for our path and a light to our feet in Psalm 119, 105. Uh, Jesus speaks about God's words as being spiritual nourishment, that man does not survive on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, the language of Peter and of Paul of craving spiritual milks that we may grow up in our salvation, then being able to chew on real meat so that we can be sustained and strong. Um, so this nourishment idea, it's a compass that points us to Jesus. You know, Jesus said in John 5, 39, that you search the scriptures because you think by them you have eternal life. But they're all mm. pointing to me, yet you refuse mm. to come to me to have life. And so all of scripture, like he teaches the disciples on the Emmaus Road in Luke 24, you know, beginning with Moses, the Pentateuch, the five books of the Torah, all the way through the prophets, the rest of the Old Testament, he unfolded the things concerning himself. You know, so Jesus just has this deep desire that we let all scripture point us towards him. That is the story of God that leads us to Jesus. But it's also designed to help prepare us for our lives here, to, to live faithfully as part of God's story in the church. And so think Second yeah. Timothy, you know, uh, where the apostle uh, Paul is writing to this young guy that he's trying to mentor in leadership. And he says, mate, from infancy, you have known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise 
unto salvation. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so this idea of it's meant to build us up and prepare us in our understanding of what God's doing in the world and of our own Christian character to endure through the trials and temptations that come. And so I I think we need to say, we need to be soaking in this story so that we grow up in our salvation. We become wise. We learn how to improvise faithfully and not just according to being manipulated by leaders into making outbursts here or there, but to having a clear (laughs) and consistent and steady Christian faith that endures in praying for our leaders and protesting them where we need to, in being Mm -hmm. able to be citizens who seek the peace and prosperity of the place to which we're called, of Mm -hmm. laying down our lives for the sake of others rather than just seeking to give voice to our own desires or our own rights for our own sake. I think there Mm -hmm. is a Christ-like way to do things as well that we need to make sure that we're holding on to in the midst of this. And what does it mean to love our neighbor well? There's just a a lot of things to take into account. So when people have been asking questions more specifically about, let's say, political positions or what do we do with premier's decisions or around vaccination or around lockdown mandates, and there is pain on every side of this. And I don't think Mm -hmm. anyone is sitting in any office scheming up how they can screw up your life today because they hate you. Everyone is trying to make decisions based upon what they think is best for the people around them. And at times, you know, what's, what's best to get them reelected, sadly. But for the most part, people's intentions are good. And if we as Christians model a persuasion posture, one that is not just speaking out against from a prophetic stance, but instead saying, hey, I I see that your heart is to try and do good to people. Here's why I might disagree with that. Here's a better way, I think, to go about it. Uh, I think Mm. trying as Christians to model a Christ-likeness in how we make our argument, trying to actually win the person on the other side of the aisle rather than just rallying our own base to stand against them. Uh, I think there's Mm. really important ways of representing Jesus in a moment like this. Oh, 100%, mate. I, I love that. I think persuasion, being whimsical, uh, being being gentle but strategic, all those things I think are, are really, really powerful. So, so, so with questioning Christianity, let's get back to that. Um, obviously, part of what you're doing is uh, it's in your tagline, answering life's deepest questions. Uh, the name itself, questioning Christianity, it sounds like uh, you're encouraging doubt and deconstruction. Uh, what, why are these things important? What, what, why do you feel the need to help people? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably more, the, the choice for the name was the fact that people do question Christianity all the time. Those inside yeah. the faith or those who are still newcomers or explorers um, who are figuring out what they think about it, they're curious. People are questioning Christianity. And so I wanted to give it a name that is something of a bridge saying, you know what, God's not afraid of your questions. And most yes. of the biggest questions that you have, you'll find on lips of people in the Bible. And they often present their argument in a much more raw and true emotive fashion in getting angry at God or crying out with that three-letter word, why, uh, than <laughs> what we give our voice to. And so the, the Bible gives us both an emotional register and the permission to kind of voice these questions. But also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably more humble in our tagline, the idea of connecting the Christian story to life's deepest questions. I certainly don't claim to have all the answers, but I do think the Christian story gives us rich resources from which we can reason and make sense of maybe what God's doing in the world and, and go a long way in in responding to some of these big questions. Uh, mm. And so, um, yeah, I think giving people room for doubt, that doubt is an opportunity to grow in their faith if they realize that 
there's good reasons to believe in the goodness of God and the truth of the gospel, um, that doubt investigation, that's only going to lead to a stronger faith down the track. And so if we can help connect those dots, then that's kind of what I wanted to do. So, so a bunch of people who listen to the podcast are not Christians. Well, where do you find the the the, the unbeliever, the non-believer, the, ex, the explorer, the seeker? Where do you find their deepest questions are particularly? Because they're probably not a theological yeah. or a biblical one, but what are they? Not asking? at all. Well, for the most part, uh, there is a tremendous ignorance, and that's not a negative connotation at all. It's just you've grown up in a secular culture. You've maybe been to a couple of chapels in a Lutheran school at best, you know, but for the most part, you really haven't had much contact with Christianity apart from popular TV shows. And so people are kind of curious, what is it? It's almost like a bizarre, Mm -hmm. alien, distant thing. And so they're kind of pre-Christian in understanding. I think most people don't really understand the relevance. Uh, It's almost like a flavor of ice cream. You know, I prefer more of a secular outlook to life, a a story without God. That's at least what I'm familiar with. I'm chocolate chip, but you like rum raisin. You're a religious person. Mm -hmm. I guess that just doesn't really fly with me. And so for the most part, they, they don't understand why you would consider Christianity what good mm-hmm. news does it actually have to offer? What difference would it make to your life? And they're certainly rarely aware of the kind of evidence that would support it. Like I said, it's more like it's just a spiritual option out there. You choose one that kind of works for you, but there's no real mm. sense that anything is true or that you're actually looking for evidence or to make the best sense of the way that the world is and the data points of nature and <clears throat> of history. So, yeah, I, I think it's more of a kind of <clears throat> vague curiosity. Man, how do I make sense of why you're even a Christian anymore? It just seems a bit strange to me. I've, I've got some questions. And so, I mean, I spend quite a bit of time with people who have no religious background and they generally ask me, so what do you do? And what do you mean there are these things called Bible scholars? And, uh, okay. and you know, these are the kind of questions that I have. If, if God was real, it usually comes down to some version of either the evidence or the evil. Um, why is there suffering in the world or why doesn't he make himself more obvious to me they tend to be the bigger questions um, that people have mm. yeah definitely the, the the why is there suffering in the world is probably the number one question isn't it and it's something we wrestle with as christians that believe in god and 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 his goodness so so what about for christians going back to those who do believe you and i believe this is the truth and this is the way to live life following jesus how can we talk about our faith better how are you helping people who do believe that Jesus is the yeah. way truth in the life talk about it better. Well- Well, part of the heartbeat for the ministry is really to be front-facing so that the content we're developing is something that someone who is brand new to Christianity can pick up and explore and ask away with their questions and feel like we're not straw-manning or um, giving a poor representation to where they're coming from. Uh, And so what we're trying to do really, I guess, for Christians looking on is both model how to respond to the questions that people are asking in the way in which we do that, uh, but also give them opportunity for resources that they can use for good conversations with their friends. So let's take our YouTube channel for instance so one of our series of videos on there is a series of shorts maybe 15 videos long now of just taking all the big questions that i always get asked and doing a five to eight minute video responding to it so stuff around does god send people to hell or why does god care about my sex life or why was a good god allow suffering um all those sorts of questions and then on our instagram account creating these visual representation slides that give kind of the summary talking points or arguments 
and uh, and represent that in a way that is just very easily digestible. So that if you show someone the video or you're having a conversation with someone and they ask this question, you pull out the Instagram, you're like, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about this idea? Just sort of scrolling through these different slides. So really trying to create content that's helpful for Christians in learning how to respond to these questions and working through the doubts that they might have when it comes to these questions, um, just preparing them for more healthy God conversations. Mm, really good, mate. And the content is really good that you've started with. And well done. You're only nine months in. You've got so many high quality videos up and got some subscribers going and all those kind of things, which is really, really good. I've, I've tried to do in my spare time a little bit of uh, similar, I suppose, to yourself in the sense of just using the opportunity that we have uh, with technology these days. That's why we're doing this podcast, just to try and get the message out there a little bit more and to try and help people uh, who, who do believe in God or people who are trying to work out if there is a God. Uh, so I just think it's great that you've jumped jumped into it. You said earlier uh, in, our, in, in our conversation that you'd looked at a few different options for yourself personally as far as employment or vocation goes, and you've ended up with this uh, digital uh, business, I suppose. Maybe can you talk to me just practically for a minute? What's it been like, I suppose, starting uh, a business, we would call it a ministry in the church world, but, but getting this organization off the ground, getting it funded, yeah. making, sure you, making sure you're feeding oh boy. your family still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been interesting. Um, my biggest uh, maybe hesitation to wanting to do something like this was I'm just not all that drawn towards governance structures or power. <laughs> I'd love just yeah. to be able to meet with people, to answer questions, to to read and research and, and to develop and train others. And so the idea of having to carry policy development and board meetings and to look after funding structures and staffing contracts and all of that. There was just none of that that appealed to me inherently. Um, and also the idea of launching a new organization in the middle of a global pandemic when for the most yeah. part, people are experiencing a bit of economic uncertainty, if not a bit of a downturn, people that are still wrestling with whether they can work or not. So, uh, the, you know, there are a lot of reasons why it was a bad idea to do it. And the only reason why we did do it is because I felt really strongly that this is where the Lord was leading and had a number of people praying and saying, no, we feel like God's on board with this. You should do this. So, um, so that's the, I guess the short, shorthand of it. Um, the, the best way I can respond to that is by saying that in the goodness of God, he brought around me some really great people. So mm -hmm. people who are experts in the areas that, uh, that they're performing on our board. So uh, a not-for-profit lawyer helping with policy development, a guy who's been his life doing leadership development and coaching, taking that role with me, a guy who is employed, uh, trained as an accountant, employed in the not-for-profit and, and sort of Christian sector, uh, working with finances, helping to look after our money. <laughs> so you, you look at these sorts of questions and think that's a, that's a gift uh, that uh, I can yeah. be relatively Good well chain. supported Good by chain. this team and, and to keep mm -hmm. adding to it. And, um, and I mean, we have a bit of an interesting funding model. It's a mixture of uh, people giving gifts from um, speaking events, so churches and, and different um, uh, schools and stuff like that of we have regular supporters and, uh, and that's our biggest chunk and and sort of a, a heart to kind of grow that with time so we can bring on other speakers um so yeah uh, a couple of partnerships here or there uh, a grant that was very graciously came in from uh, another christian organization so it's just a mixture of sources you're praying and keep serving uh, as best as we can uh, we just completed our nine month report so we're going to be doing these annual reports at the end of september um, but uh, given that we've only been running since january so just see man what's happened in the first nine months and it's just mm. super encouraging um so no, it just seems like the lord has been kind in in getting it started and i haven't had to have too many headaches so far on that end it's just a lot of juggling of different balls 
has it meant that you've had to kind of go out and do a lot more networking, phone calls, gather the team? Uh, has that been a bit of a new thing for you or a bit of a challenge? Yeah, I mean, I've always just loved building relationships. I wouldn't say there's been a ton extra on that side. Uh, I feel like okay. QC has naturally grown out of the relationships and ministry networks that I already had, even prior to RZIM. You know, RZIM grew out of what I was already doing. And so, um, yeah, it's just been a, a real gift to, to kind of maintain those. I'm um, just thankful for the people that uh, wanted to get on board and kind of support, pray for us, send through verbal encouragements, um, share stuff and, and use me, the sort of resources online. So it's, uh, yeah, just really thankful for the community that's grown up around it it's really good mate and and t talk to us a bit about the digital side like why why go that way uh why jump into the digital side what, what's your kind of take on uh this uh tool i suppose of the digital the online yeah well my background when i first kind of got into christian leadership was in youth ministry so i started as a youth uh, sort of volunteer and um and then went through theological training and started as a youth young adults pastor uh and so you know in youth ministry back then everything uh, we understood was that the parents had the primary influence on the spiritual lives of young people and that youth pastors came in about fifth on that ticket uh, <laughs> and it's it's really interesting where they would go to try and make sense of their big questions. And so today that script has absolutely flipped. I mean, I started youth ministry before YouTube launched in 2006 and now <laughs> YouTube is the primary Same. way that teenagers are figuring out what to think. That they're not mm. asking their friends, they're not asking their family, they jump online with the anonymity and they type in their questions into a search bar and they consume content. And so I'm um, reasonably over a lot of the major kind of Christian channels around the world and, and sort of seeing what content's out there and everything has its own niche and healthy long form conversations or academic conversations. I really wanted to try and chart a bit more of a, a popular path of helping connect the Christian story to life's deepest questions to pretend <laughs> that people who are watching may have no experience of Christianity as a whole. And, uh, and for those who are, have grown up in the church that they can maybe see an example of how to connect with those who haven't had any contact with Christianity as a whole. And so really trying to model our content off that persuasive model of Christian truth with a Christian accent. Uh, and so that's just been kind of a, a joy to see meaningfully grow. It's super encouraging when I go and speak at a school now and you do Q and A and then the people, we've got all these other questions and you're like, well, you know, jump on the website or jump on the YouTube channel. And there's usually something there that will speak to those questions. And so to have that place to send people as well, just means you've always got something that can go further than you can. You're limited in time and space, but um, there is something that is more omnipresent with technology <laughs> um, of trying to use that medium helpfully. And so that was, I guess, a big primer as to why we thought edging out into there is a good idea. I don't think you do as deep a formation in a digital space. It's the reason why online no, no. church is, is not a substitute, but in terms no. of helping to communicate content, it, it's good, but it's not a discipleship avenue. No, no, definitely not. And and I think, I think you're spot on, mate. I think it's really clever. I think more Christian leaders like yourself need to be doing it, getting into this space, because whether you like it or not, whether you're good at it or not, whether you agree with it or not, like you say, as a discipleship tool or not, uh, this is where people are. You got to go to where people are. This is the modern day marketplace in some ways. This is where young people are at, exactly like you say. You know, the number one job uh, for Gen Z, the, the, the aspirational job is to be a YouTuber. Uh, my kids at 10, 7, yours are probably similar. They're already, you know, follow certain figures on YouTube, mainly Roblox gamers and Minecraft gamers and these kinds of guys. Dude, my perfect fellas, yeah. 
Oh, mate, my four-year-old sits there. He doesn't watch TV. He's never watched TV. He just sits there and watches gamers on YouTube playing these games at his four. And he'll just sit there for hours if if I let him. You know, it's crazy. Sorry, I'm letting some of my bad parenting out there. But I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's really, really clever, mate. And uh, last question for you. So you've, you've been involved, as you said, uh, in the church, leader, pastor, uh, a speaker, uh, a scholar, an academic, you study stuff. I think you've got a, a great ability to write and to study and to produce content. All of this is very influential. All of it is really getting back to what this podcast is a bit about, which is about leaders and, and what a leader's up to and how a leader's formed. What in all of this stuff you've shared today in the journey uh, has been your biggest leadership lesson? What's what's the thing if you look back so far? I know you're not old by any means. We're about the same age. But uh, what, what has been the biggest lesson for you so far informing you into the man of God that you are today? Oh, that's tough. Um, Big question. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think the there's there's so many things I could say in response to that, Caleb. But the one that I'm convinced of is just a fostering of your own inner life something that will sustain you for the long haul um, to build deep in following Jesus. Um, so the, that his thoughts are stirring your thoughts, that his heart is breaking your heart, that what you want to see come in the world is stirring. Lord, let your kingdom come and will be done on earth as in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. The more you're drawing near to him, the more others will be drawn towards you because it's mm-hmm. the Paul follow me in so far as I follow Christ. The more people see of Jesus in you, the more they'll be drawn to that and challenged by that and will actually grow by that. Um, so that has to be kind of the number one. Um, as I look back right. now on what 14 or 15 years of public ministry, uh, I've done stuff which is deep and I've done stuff which is wide, big audience stuff versus small audience stuff. And uh, in terms of impact, I mean, it's impossible to measure kind of what's more helpful, what's more fruitful. But I would look back on that period of pastoral ministry of building deep into maybe 10 or 15 youth and young adults leaders uh, and then going to see them multiply over the years to come as being maybe the most fruitful, fruitful thing. I remember reading a really old classic Mm. book, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman and Mm. just that pattern of Jesus. Yes, he spoke to the crowds and yes, he had a broad number of 500 disciples and a smaller circle of 72, but he spent the most intimate time with 12 and of that Mm. still three with um, Peter, James and John that had these special intimate experiences Experiences. And so that idea of forming a smaller number of people in a deeper way so that they can go and multiply that multiplication mathematics of discipleship has to be my biggest ministry leadership takeaway is if Christ. all you're doing is structures and systems and speaking to crowds that will never multiply in the way that building deep into the few leaders you serve alongside or that you're given to serve as the one over them, uh, that that's going to have a greater impact in the long haul. Mm. Yeah, just fantastic, Dan. What a great principle. And I think a fantastic leadership lesson, especially for an up-and-coming leader, because it in some ways is it doesn't seem conventional and is probably not what a lot of people see modelled in leaders today. Uh, but it's a great lesson, mate, for an up-and-comer to build deep into a few and to aim at multiplication through a few rather than uh, trying to be popular, be broad, be known. Uh, really, really good. And, and and what's the next step for you, mate, in your leadership or with questioning Christianity? What's uh, on the horizon? 
Yeah, well, the kind of heartbeat was to just create local evangelists who are going to serve their local church and then maybe more of the region around them. And so probably the next big steps for QC, uh, we're going to keep doing what we've already already been doing, but trying to both identify another couple of people in key cities around Australia and New Zealand to uh, potentially bring sort of on team and just give them an umbrella to keep doing what they're doing and serve under, but also to get that training program I was talking about off the ground that uh, Mm. will run like a coaching two-year kind of uh, avenue that people can take to develop as, let's say, public Christians or communicators of the gospel for secular people. And so Mm -hmm. we're really hoping to launch a pilot next year. So appreciate your prayers as we um, just get that program finalized now and start identifying the right people to tap on the shoulder to kick off next year. Really good, mate. Really good. Well, I really appreciate coming on the podcast today. Really excited uh, for what you're doing with QC and uh, really believe in it, believe in you, mate, believe in what you're doing and uh, love the relationship and uh, the fact that we're on the, the same team with with Jesus. I know that sounds a bit corny, but uh, I do love my different brothers and sisters in Christ spread out across yeah. the world. It's, it's good to know you're out there. So, And maybe at one point we will see each other again at some point point i haven't even seen half my family the last eight months but uh it'd be great to see you and uh hang out again at some point mate. i really appreciate you coming sounds great mate uh, leadership lessons podcast thank you dan thanks caleb see you next time thanks mate i trust you were impacted by that leadership lessons podcast i would love to hear your thoughts about today's podcast please comment down below and please review the podcast and share it with a friend doing this inspires us and helps others to find the podcast see you next time